This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Mark it down, Sunday, April 10th. It's the 34th annual All-Star Labor Classic presented by Philadelphia's Organized Labor and featuring the best of the best, high school girls and high school boys in a city versus suburban showdown. It's the All-Star Labor Classic, a Philadelphia tradition showcasing the very best high school girls and boys basketball players from the entire Delaware Valley. That's Sunday, April 10th, starting at noon. The live games will be played at Ridley High School. Now, on Talk Radio 1210, If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. And hour number two of The Labor Show. This is the John Doherty Hour. We are live here for uh, hour number two on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J. Doc is off uh, this weekend, and we send uh, our thoughts, prayers, and uh, condolences to J. Doc. He had a death in his family, and he is unable to be with us this weekend. I'm sure he's with us in spirit, and we are certainly with him uh, in prayer. The John Doherty Hour getting under way big show lined up for uh, us uh johnny doc and in in this uh it'll be a fast 56 minutes of uh of the john doherty hour we've got a lot of ground to, a lot of ground to cover but before uh we jump into that uh kind of a big weekend big game tomorrow obviously i want to get your thoughts on that the big trade was finally made i want to get your thoughts on that and then a guy you know finally gets it dick for Going to go into the 2022 class of the Hall of Fame. Doc, how are you, brother? Great, Joe. How you doing, buddy? All good, man. Good actually, for a Saturday night. Yeah, actually, it was a great weekend. And, uh, I mean, everybody was in a good mood out there. It was the weather, you know, of course. But, uh, you know, we had, uh, even Celia had some outdoor yoga, which is, uh, oh, nice. you know, a little. Yeah, it's, it's a big thing to get her outside. And, yeah. uh, and so we're in good spirit that she enjoyed that everything out well. But I have to tell you. Everybody I bumped in today was feeling good. I think a little bit of Super Bowl weekend, a little bit of uh, I don't know too many people who don't like the trade that the Sixers pulled off, and again, just the nice weather. You know, just a really a really good Friday and Saturday. So, yeah, a couple know, hours. And by the way, you, we got fifty six minutes. So that means you and I probably pick up an extra 30 now that our boy Jay docs going. Yeah, exactly. And no doubt about that. Uh, James Harden, by the way, arrived in uh, Philadelphia a couple uh, hours ago. Daryl Morey was there uh, to greet him, and I'm sure they took him right down to uh, the Wells Fargo Center. Perhaps he will make his debut uh, on Tuesday night uh, against the uh, Celtics. But uh, listen, Doc, you've done, you, you know, we've had a lot of fun over the years talking sports with you as Philly's biggest sports fan uh, and Philly's biggest fan. Uh, one thought on, uh, you know, on it's one thing to like the trade. Will the Sixers get the result that they are expecting? Meaning you got a short window of time uh, to win a championship with the best player in the world, perhaps Joel Embiid uh, and now James Harden. Well, I think that the trade was made to win this year 
than next year. The mm-hmm. two-year trade for the Sixers, you know, uh, MB, you know, it's been around a couple years now. The window, the door's open. Uh, it puts us right in play. I, you know, I'm the wrong guy when it comes to Ben Simmons. You know, I'm, I'm all Philadelphia all the time, and I'm all boy all the time. And I just, you know, I, I just could not understand how soft he was. And, again, I told you, you know, I've said it on this show multiple times. I actually put it up on uh, Facebook this week, and it, it actually drew a few comments from people who are, you know, pretty opinionated and not people I normally communicate with. And we had a little dialogue going, uh, you know, I, I don't think he was ever a scorer anywhere. I don't think he was a go-to guy in high school. I don't think he was a go-to guy in LSU. You know, I don't think right here, you know, he, he scored most of his points, you know, out in the open, you know, and of course, you know, but he never was a 20-point scorer anywhere. So, you know, my dad taught me at an early age that you can't score if you don't shoot. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. And my dad also told me that if you score 40 points in grade school, 40 points in high school, you'll be able to score 40 in college. Okay, so your kid never scored 20. He was soft. He didn't like to shoot. And, uh, again, it's, you know, he sat out. Here's a guy who's getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball, and he didn't play basketball. So, so he wasn't going to play here. He was never going to turn into what we expected. You know, James Harden, you, you don't have to – you know, think that it was a great trade. You know, I'm here. He's out of shape. He's old. He's this and that. All I know is that out of shape old guy still <laughs> scores. You know, he, he scores 25 a game, 15 boards, and eight assists every game. Okay, and people say, well, uh, every time you, they get into the championship, he doesn't live, but he gets into the championship. Okay, and, and as you hit it on the head, and Bede's playing out of his mind. They're actually fun. They didn't have to give up Maxi or Typolt, you know. I mean, and uh, I don't know the last time I watched Drummond do anything. You know, Seth Curry, Seth Curry, you know. So I just think that it was a good deal. I think it puts us in play, you know, and I just think that, um, you know, it, it gives us a legitimate shot to win. You know, there, there's nobody that can't beat with a in shape or a, a, a 25, 12, and an 8. James Harden. There's Doc, nobody out there. That, no, you yeah, finish up. Doc, I'll take you no, back. No, just nobody the, can beat us, you know? Yeah, I'll take you back to the Sixers' uh, last championship. The good doctor. on A little mm-hmm. bit on the backside of his career, but Moses Malone uh, joined that team, and, and, and oh, what a team it was. Um, perhaps the, the mechanics or the dynamic of the dynamic of James Harden uh, in a Sixers uniform uh, will turn the fate, and as you said, maybe get something done uh, in this year, this year certainly uh, or hopefully, um, but if not uh, next year uh, for sure. Hey, big show tonight! I want to uh, lay out um, our guest for uh, the show. We're going to cover a lot of ground. Joe and uh, Roseanne Curlin are going to join us. They are the founder of the Katie Curlin Fund. We'll tell you about the Katie Curlin Fund uh, coming out of the break, and then we'll talk with uh, Joe and Roseanne. Uh, and then uh, in the second half of the show, uh, the first international VP of IATSE guest Mike Barnes will, or Mike Barnes will be our guest, uh, and we'll talk uh, to Mike Barnes. A couple of minutes before we go to our first break, Doc, I did want to also get a, I'll get your prediction on the game before we sign off tonight, uh, right before 8 o'clock. Um, but I did want to ask you about Dick Vermeil. It was so great uh, to see 
um, Dick finally get the knock on the door. Um, he's going into the 2020, or he's part of the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Of course, he'll be inducted um, in August of 2022. Um, but it was so nice to watch it and so nice to see the sentiment from so many people in Philadelphia. The outpouring has just been spectacular. Well, he never left. You know, I say the easiest way not to forget where you came from is to never leave. Okay, Dick Vermeil has never left. He might have went to St. Louis. He might have went to a few other places. Okay, but he was always in Philadelphia. And, and I have to tell you, I've never had a bad experience in all the roles I've had. Okay, and whenever there's any union issues or anything close, you say, well, where did you... You know, every time we, we have some discussion with the Eagles or something like that, and by the way, back during the Leonard Toes days, and I wasn't in office then, but I mean later in life, you know, anything we ever had, he always wanted to know about it. We crossed paths multiple times, two or three times at Blue Cross, a few times, okay, at, with Michael's Way, which is a uh, Chris McElwitty and, and uh, a couple other guys, you know, it's Chris's brother path, and I don't know if you know, he's a union carpenter who has a, uh, a charity that, you know, I, I sat on a board for a while, but Chris, you know, has a great relationship, and one of his big fundraising things were dinner with Dick Vermeil. Mm-hmm. And it sounds crazy, but he would sit all night, he would talk to everybody, he would sign everything, and he used to have a big dinner associated with it, he would show up there. Okay, Ronald McDonald House. You know, the whole Eagles team were, was the basis for that. Jimmy Murray is a dynamite human being. He's right behind Sister Mary Scullion in my book. And uh, Leonard Toes was another good guy. And uh, they, they, they were instrumental in, in starting up the Ronald McDonald House. And Jimmy still, you know, his heart and soul has been in there, you know, for the last 20 years or whatever. But Dick Vermeule, another guy, would just do whatever they asked, whatever they needed. You know, and then, and then you look at any other charity, you know, with all the things he did. He was just a good guy. And, he, and, you know, that was a great time. You know what it's like to win a Super Bowl in Philadelphia? Okay, forever. But, you know, the Philly special will last forever. And I'm just happy to see him there, and it's going to relive, you know, in uh, a lot of good memories, and he's just a really good guy. He's never, I've never had him, never had him where he wasn't upbeat and positive about the Philadelphia labor movement. Great stuff from John Doherty on Dick Vermeil as we kick off uh, the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As we go to our first commercial break, Doc, you mentioned Proj- or Sister Mary Scullion. Here comes the uh, labor community once again. Um, I want to tell everybody or remind everybody that one week from today on the 19th, so next Saturday from 8 a.m., to 4 p.m., uh, Iron Workers Local 401 uh, is your destination. Project Home Clothing Drive. Um, Kevin Boyle and the Iron Workers and the entire labor community uh, jumping in. I don't even know whether or not we can pull it off and, and do the show next week live from uh, up at Local 401. But if not, we'll certainly update everyone when we're on the show next week uh, about the drive, Project Home Clothing Drive uh, going on um, at Iron Workers Local 401. That's a week from today. And it's all day, 8 a.m. Uh, to 4 p.m. We'll get to our first commercial break on the John Doherty Hour. Joe and Roseanne Curlin uh, will join John on the other side. What is the Katie Curlin Fund? 
We'll share it all to you when we come back. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC 21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Again, a reminder before we uh, check out of here at... Uh, 8 o'clock, right before the show ends. We'll get Doc's pick on the big game uh, tomorrow. Um, Joe and Roseanne Curlin, founders of the Katie Curlin Fund, John, uh, are going to join us uh, in the next segment. And then uh, coming up at 7.40, uh, Michael Barnes uh, will join us as well to finish up the hour. Hello. Uh, Joe and Roseanne, are you out there? Yes, we are. Okay. Hello, Joe. Hello, Roseanne. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us here tonight on the John Doherty uh, Hour. Um, I referenced the Katie Curlin Fund uh, in the opening segment, and before we um, get into some conversation uh, with you and John, I'd, I'd love for you to just share with the listeners um, Roseanne, Katie's story and how the fund and uh, the National Wheelchair Basketball Tourney, how it all came to be. Okay. Um, Kate was paralyzed at the age of 10 years old and got right involved with wheelchair sports out at DuPont Institute. They introduced us to uh, wheelchair racing and swimming. They only had track and field and swimming in those days. There was no wheelchair basketball in the city of Philadelphia for juniors at that time. So she competed and qualified for nationals in uh, Tennessee. And a fellow by the name of Mike Ward got 16 longshoremen together. And they golfed. And uh, they all put up 50 bucks because they had free passes from a fellow named Mickey Bielek. And they gave me $1,600 to go to uh, national finals that year. And uh, we said, this is something we're going to start doing all the time because we knew that there wasn't enough money for some athletes to go to national finals. Kids that was on Kate's team, some of them did the regional events but couldn't afford nationals. So uh, Mikey said, we're going to start this golf tournament for wheelchair sports. And Kate, unfortunately, passed away about 18 months later. And uh, we collected $11,000 at her funeral and Mikey did the second golf tournament, and we thought it might be around for like four or five years and there'd be some other charity come along or some other event. But um, it stayed around, and we've raised a a ton of money. And I'd like to say that our founders, our board members, and the founders of it, 11 of them are um, union members. So if we give them a shout-out, I don't know if you want to do that. or So that's basically, I don't know if my wife could add anything to that. Okay. Well, well, Katie was a quiet, quiet girl with quiet determination. Her coaches always said, but when she got in the uh, in the wheelchair and started the the racing again with with men, a, a man's team in Philadelphia, there was nothing for kids at the time. She showed a competitive nature that we weren't aware of, and uh, throughout her illness, her eighteen months in the wheelchair. You know, she did some great things, and she was an inspiration for our community. 
uh, you know, she was a little girl that became a very brave girl and then got involved with these sports. And that's when she passed. We knew that um, we had to keep the tradition of the wheelchair sports going because there wasn't a lot of funding in the area at the time. This was the, the late, eight, you know, in the late 80s. Um, so that's how Katie Cohen uh, wheelchair uh, fun started. And it's like as my husband said, it's been going strong now for um, over 32 years. John, any surprise on your end that um, there are 11 union members that make up the board and that this fun fun continues now 32 years later, as Roseanne said? Well, just Roseanne and Joe are, you know, you talk about life lessons. They're walking life lessons for most people. I mean, they took a tragedy and turned it into a success story. But in the process, they turned they turned every day into a good day. You have to see the both of them. I know them both. This is, a, you know, a, a real pleasure to have them on the radio tonight. And, you know, where we normally... You know, we, we get into some hardcore union stuff. You know, they're good supporters. They have their, their whole family, you know, transcend the union movement. We're lucky enough to have Curlins all over, Local 98, you know. And But I, I, know, I know Joe and Roseanne my whole life. I know Joe's dad. I know Joe's siblings. I know their children. I'm really good friends with both their kids. I mean, they're just good people. And, they again, they took something that, you know, they saw, you know, I don't know how, how you can, the loss of a baby at that age, you know, who had the spirit and the drive that Katie had, and and they immediately took it from the funeral on. It's just, it's just amazing. You know, I, I laughed, and, 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 and it's going to sound like I'm patronizing them because they're on, but they, they have, Joe and Roseanne are kind of like the heart and soul of challenge children's sports in Philadelphia. You know, Bill Bender did an article on them in the Inquirer, and I usually don't promote the Inquirer, but you got to go back and read the article. That'll explain a little bit more in, in detail the role they have. And they're like, they're like the, 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 the king and queen of, of, of sports for children with challenges. I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time at the Riley Club. I got... I got drawn back at least three or four times where presidents or chairman of the board either got promoted and moved out of the area or stopped down. And one of the, the segments of the variety club was we were always trying to do things with, you know, with children in wheelchairs. And we didn't have to go that far. We just had to call Joe and Roseanne up and say, hey, what do you have? What can we do? How can you help us? So they would step in and take you know, kids from the variety club and get them engaged in their programs. I mean, and, and again, it's, you know, it's from the variety club to almost every charity or everything in Philadelphia and even Southeastern Pennsylvania that has a challenged child involved. Okay. That wants to be athletic. Okay. The, the, the Katie curling comments, Joe and Roseanne call them people in the Philadelphia recreation department. I can tell you, for years, for years, okay, people tell me, oh, yeah, well, we're going to try to, you know, get Joe involved. We're going to try And Joe went to work every day, okay? Roseanne went to work every day. 
They're, they're, they, they live in row homes in Philadelphia, in South Philly. Lucky enough, they, I mean, we all went to, the, we went, we went to the same churches, we went to the same schools, you know, we, we're all members of the same New Year's Day. I mean, they're just good people. And what you need to do before this show is over, because I don't know if Roseanne and, and Joe realize, but we get as many listeners on this show at this slot as any radio show on AM radio. And that was done by the rating groups, the Nielsen rating groups. You got, people have to understand. You know, people are working now, people, the pandemic. If you've got expendable income, okay, or you want to see something special, you know, go watch a child in a wheelchair. And I, I've tried it multiple times, you know, in my role at the Riley Club and just, you know, trying to see what it was like. And, of course, look, it's, I, I see the challenges John, every day now. Yeah. John, not to interrupt you, but the first time we saw wheelchair basketball, I don't know if you remember this, it would have been in, in 88, we took Kate up. You guys, all you guys were apprentices or, or early electricians, and you were playing wheelchair basketball and chairs against a group of men in basketball and wheelchairs. And I could tell when we walked in that all of you uh, able-bodied guys thought you would thought you'd go all over the guys in the wheelchairs, and um, they really got you good. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we, that was we, 1988. We we can say this on this radio. We got our ass whooped. Okay, I was going to say that. But. <laughs> Joe, there's and, a lesson. We, that, go, go ahead, Roseanne. Finish up there. And then okay, we have, um, through the years, so many of our, our kids who went to our program have went on to get uh, wheelchair basketball scholarships. In fact, one of our best players, Joey Rafter, graduated last year. He's now in his second year at the University of Auburn playing wheelchair at basketball. We have a kid this year going to graduate from Katie's Comets, going to Edinburgh University. We had a girl go out to Arizona. Uh, we also had um, one of our athletes was a Paralympic uh, wheelchair athlete. So the kids, when they come and they join the Katie's Comets, it's to play basketball, but it also gives them – uh, a place to, um, you know, to, to get, uh, find out so many things. Like, it, not only do the kids find out things, but the parents. Like, there might be something out there that the parents aren't even aware that the child's entitled to. And they build up such a uh, friendship. And, you know, we the last tournament we had, January 24th, um, we had teams from five different cities come and participate, and they played at the high school of the future. And was about 100 athletes. And all the kids are friends with one another. They must communicate, I guess, through social media because when they want to play wheelchair basketball, it's not like there's five teams in Philadelphia. In fact, I think the first weekend in March, Katie's Comets are going to travel to uh, Baltimore to play. And hopefully they'll get to Kansas City uh, in April for the Nationals. So it's just a lot more than just playing wheelchair basketball. Talking with Joe and Roseanne Curlin, founders of the Katie Curlin uh, Fund. The website is katiecurlinfund.org. Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Curlin, K-I-R-L-I-N, fund. 
org here on the John Doherty Hour. We're live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Joe, we have about 60 seconds left um, before we go to the break. I want to ask you if you can, um, I want the audience to understand as um, actually as Roseanne just said, and if you can maybe uh, in, uh, talk a little bit more about it. There's, there are life lessons uh, that are learned um, from uh, athletes um, that are physically challenged, young men and women um, competing um, and competing hard uh, and fighting through um, that challenge that they have. What, what, what are they or what are some of them? Well, I think the Rutgers sports, it, it teaches them discipline and they, um, a team, teamwork, uh, and they just want to compete. They're, a lot of them are tremendous athletes. If you come out and see them, they just happen to be in a wheelchair. So they want to be part of a team and compete like everybody else, and this gives them a chance to do that. Doc, last, uh, last 30 seconds before we go to break. Yeah, it's deeper than that. You know, I mean, when you have a family member that's in a wheelchair, every day is frustrating because you don't know what you're capable of doing that day. You're controlled by the weather. You're controlled by your, your form of transportation. You're controlled by a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, these, they, they have done a masterful job at giving people another life through sports. Wonderful. I mean, and I, I'd be remiss if I don't get a shout-out, you know, to, of course, Eddie Curlin is my buddy. That's Joe's brother. Okay, young Joey Curlin is a 98 member, better known as Burger. Great guy. I got, we got young Eddie Mooney, who's the grandson. He's working up at 98. They're just good people, good family people. And like I said, it's a pleasure to have them on, and, and I think we should uh, – redo all their numbers because anybody who you know has the ability to donate i'm telling you what they do with kids in wheelchairs is amazing great stuff joe, joe and uh we do have an email Curlin. address yeah we'll take it roseanne before we go to the break ahead okay it's katie Curlin fund at verizon.net and we're always looking for athletes if there's any kids out there between the ages of six and 19 that would like to get involved Please, please, please email us, and we can see if we can work something out. We're always looking for athletes, and we know they're out there. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. That's Joe and Roseanne Curlin, uh, the Katie Curlin Fund, Katie Curlin Fund. Uh, .org, joining us live here on a Saturday night. We'll take our second break on the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. On the other side of the break, Michael Barnes will join us back in a moment. This edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour. Great stuff and a great uh, conversation from real people. Joe and Roseanne Curlin, uh, John, joining us, founders of the Katie Curlin uh, Fund. Um, and I thought you hit the nail um, right smack on the head. I know we're going to transition into Mike Barnes, but just to finish that, just to finish the uh, finish the thought, um, you were spot on, John, with your comments. Uh, there, people in a wheelchair. Um, their life is uh, constantly affected minute by minute by the weather, by the cold, by transportation, everything. 
Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm living it. I, you know, I, I, you know, you need to have, you got to keep the, the spirit of the law. You know, we're lucky enough here with Silly having, you know, just an unbelievable drive to keep coming back. You know, and and but if you don't have, you know, the, the tender love and care to family and sometimes the resources, okay, and the resources are significant, okay, that you can't do other than just the norm. And what Joe and Rose Hand do is beyond that. They're just good people. Joe is one of the funniest guys in Philadelphia. I mean, people can't wait to see when he goes out in the New Year's parade. And he's always got like a little political angle to him, but he's not paralyzed by politics. Mm-hmm. He does everything with a smile, with good humor. And when you're around him, you just feel good. So he, he makes you feel good. Besides, and, you know, keeping your kid, it makes you feel good about what you do for your family, what you do for your children. And I, I, it's just, it's amazing. People don't understand, you know, that's a, what a, you know, a little row home down on 2nd Street. And that family, him and his wife, you know, do so much that nobody in Philadelphia knows. So I'm glad you got this show. There's a reason why, you know, look, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Rogan and all these guys get people that, you know, that want to listen to them for a day. Okay, because they go crazy over an issue where they scream or they take a position, you know, that's either counter to what, what's going on in the world. The good part about this show and why so many people want to listen to Joe Krause and Joe Bach, okay, is because you get a chance to really find out things about people like Roseanne and Joe. And there's a ton of other good people in Philadelphia. They just happen to be significant in the, in the point of wheelchair sports as well as children with challenges. Read to go back. That article was in January. William Bender did it. It's all wheelchair sports. Go read that article in the Inquirer. You know, bring that up, you know, and it's, Bender wrote it. It's a good piece, and it gives you a little bit more understanding about what they do. Good stuff, great they're stuff. Funny, jo- they're, funny, they're funny people, too, I got to tell you. You know, they, they always make you feel good. 32 years later, um, the uh, Katie Curlin Fund continues uh, to grow. Mike Barnes is going to join us, uh, the first international vice president uh, of IATSE. Um, he's um, now joining us on the John Doherty Hour. Uh, Mike Barnes, a good Saturday evening to you. We're live here, of course, with John on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Uh, the market's on fire, man. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Joe, how are you doing? Mr. Doherty, good to hear your voice. Michael, Glad to be here tonight. with you. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, Joe, what do you what do you got for me tonight? Uh Michael, I as I said leading in, man, the market's on fire. Uh, and when activity is happening in the market, when there are big time performances, uh when the Mets uh when the Met is buzzing, uh when the Wells Fargo Center is buzzing, uh when the Kimmel Center is buzzing, um that's a good thing. So, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the Sixers game, and if anybody's watching, you'll see that the, the place is sold out. People are coming back. People are in the seats. Entertainment is back. And I've been saying on this show since last year, you know, it's like that, it's like that streaming show, uh, Don't Look Up. Last March, we started talking about what we would perceive to be a labor shortage because of uh, the COVID impact. In the fall, when we started to open up incrementally, uh, we started to really bang the gong. And it was like when those guys were on the TV show and we kind of got laughed off. And now I just came from a big uh, international show out in the uh, West Coast, Polestar, met with all the leadership from all over the country. And now they see the meteor and it's almost, it's almost here. 
When we hit the second quarter of 22, the whole industry is going to be lit up across the country. Philadelphia is going to be 100% back. We have, we have the convention center. We have all the concerts. We have the Broadway, the special events. And uh, right now, organized labor is the answer to the labor shortage uh, that everybody's uh, concerned with. Michael, nobody can train the people as quickly as you can to not only do the high quality of work that you do, but to keep the people safe. You know, look, you know, it's one thing to unload a truck. It's another thing to hang 150 feet in the air tying a speaker to some super-duper electronic light show. Okay, your people do it as well as anybody in America, and even better, you teach them. And, like, your, your education program, I've sat in on, you know, multiple times where you've hosted things like that. So as you continue to grow, you continue to grow with probably the best workforce around in the, in the hospitality industry, you know. And like I always tell everybody, like, you know, we went through some tough times early on with the convention. Sort of, you know, everybody always wants to talk about the labor issues, even, even the way we resolved it. Well, let me tell you something. There was always a need for, you know, it's one thing to have somebody say, hey, you're my guy to go to work in a convention center, but there was always a need, okay, for your people and your craft to bring the quality. You know, we went from trade shows to a hospitality industry. And, I, I mean, and, and, and so, you know, it was easy always supporting the stagehands because your, your skill sets were different than everybody's. Your ability to communicate with people in the industry was better than everybody else's. And the fact that you know the industry so well and you're from here, and you're our guy, okay, is even better. So, you know, I mean... Hey, John, you know, you know, I mean, going back, you're the one that invited us into the building trades, made us part of the labor community, elevated our stature in Philadelphia. Uh, we invested in our group, like everybody else did in Philly, in the building trades and throughout. And sometimes we're criticized for that, but as a result of our investment, Right now, we are situated in Philadelphia to fully staff our jobs without any doing anything special because we've been doing it all along. And, and people criticized us at times or questioned what we did at the convention center and throughout the city. But because of what we did, we're able to open up without any impact. The other thing that we, if you remember, John, when we went through that 10-year deal and we talked about, you know, is this too long, 3% increases, what we did by doing that is we stabilized an industry that needs to book seven years out. And the other mm -hmm. cities that didn't do what we did are experiencing inflationary pressures that are causing their, their, their cost to spike, where our costs have been amortized over a period of time, which has given us a major advantage in both staffing and pricing to book conventions in Philadelphia. And they're trying to duplicate that around. We're trying to duplicate it around the country now. Uh, with the uh, IATSE union because of the success we had in Philadelphia. Yeah, listen, the early stages, that's, that's yesterday's news. Nobody cares about that no more. You know, I, I don't even tell that story anymore. You know, and uh, so what we've done and the way that we're flexible, the Philadelphia building trades, and, you know, I said, you know, Ryan's got control of that now with all the great business managers. You've heard me say on this show a million times. That I, when I started, I started with the best. I started with seven guys who were international presidents, okay, back in 92, 93, okay? But when I left, the group that we have there today are so talented. Why? Because you're flexible, okay? Jimmy Snell and John Bland, they made living in the gas industry. 
Okay, they understood that they had to get flexible. They had to change things. They had to change rules. They had to go with the flow. Yourself, you know, our friends in, in, across the mechanical trades, our friends in the basic trades, it's a different world. And, and the good part is the Philadelphia Building Trades managers are good at that. They're special. They're, and, again, you, every time we have you on the show, why don't you just touch base on, you know, some of the outfits we've had playing around here from Bill and the War on Drugs to Katie Musgrave. So, I mean, just you've been loaded. You got uh, uh, Beautiful has been in at the camera. I mean, you got great shows in town. Let people know when they come out their door and the prices are good, people are pricing the industry so that we can get a crowd back. Why don't you tell people where some of the hot shows are, what's coming up, and on and on and on. So the so the Broadway series is back. We that that took a a, a really big hit with COVID. Um, it started back in New York. The New York market little soft because of the tourism, but the touring shows, the ones that we we live on at the Kimmel Center and and the Forest Theater, they're thriving. So all the key shows that that were out there for the years that everybody recognized, the name Hamilton, Jersey Boys. They're all coming in. The Kimmel Center is doing a great job. That campus is booking it. They're renovating the Marion Theater. They're going to be doing first-class shows, not just at the Academy, but at the Marion in uh, 2023. But that that's solidly booked. When you get to the rock and roll industry, John, Live Nation has now took over management of the Man Music Center. They've doubled the amount of concerts they're going to do at the Man. So they're going to do their 40 or 45 concerts at the uh, BB&T Center. I know they just changed the name. They're going to do their 40 to 45 at the man, and then they're going to do their 200 at the Met, which has become the premier uh, club slash theater venue in North America. And you put that all on top of the convention center, the hospitality industry is humming at this point. Looks like it's going to just project up until 2026 when we celebrate the 250-year anniversary uh, of the city, right? So we have a five-year run that's coming at us uh, that really should be good for, for everybody in the industry. Why, why, in the don't jump, why don't you jump in with some of the shows that are coming? I, I know my family favorite. you got Hole and Oates and Todd Rundgren. Okay, they're coming in April. But just give us some of the other you know shows that are on the horizon, some of the people. you know. I mean, besides the, the Embiid Harden show. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and, no doubt. That's here. <laughs> Well, you, you, you kind of put me a little quarters. You'll start to, you know, we all gravitate towards the ones you like. You like the, the Todd Rundgren's favorite of mine, uh, but you have the Bruce Springsteen's, you have the outdoor shows. So the stadium shows are the big ones. They're the big flashy shows. Uh, we would usually book about six a year in Philadelphia. We have 15 on the books. So you go, you go shows, uh, uh, Elton John's coming. Kenny Chesney will be back. Uh, uh, Ramstead, which goes the other end of the spectrum. It's a European heavy metal group. Uh, you have some nostalgic groups coming in there uh, that are putting it together for big stadium shows. Uh, put it this way, anybody and anybody who's ever toured who had to take that break during COVID is putting their show on the road, which is causing, again, the labor, the labor shortage or the labor stress that's out there because everybody needs to recoup those lost uh, income over the last two years. Good stuff from Mike Barnes here on the John Doherty Hour. Um, if that doesn't get you running into a Saturday night, man, good stuff. Michael, uh, a great look on the horizon, brother. And I got to tell you, it is, it's, it's just great to hear. It's great to hear you the way you describe it. It's great to realize what the benefits are going to be. And I'll take a five-year run, brother. I'll take a nice stretch run. 
when we got and we got Harden coming in after the All Star break, right? <laughs> yeah, right? So exactly. you know we got that run to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Great stuff on a Saturday night. Mike Barnes joining us here on the John. Joe, thanks for having Hour. me, John. Great hearing you hearing your voice again. Take care. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you. All right, good stuff from Michael Barnes here on a Saturday night. The John Doherty Hour will take our final break. It's a short break, uh, and then when we come back on the other side, uh, we'll have time for John's pick for the big game. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, Roofers Local 30, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor. And our final segment of the John Doherty Hour here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHC. I want to jump to John and... Uh, get his thoughts uh, on the big game uh, tomorrow. Before I do that, quickly, you heard Ironworkers Local 401 mention coming out of that uh, stop set. I do want to remind everyone one week from today, uh, February 19th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., right at Ironworkers Local 401 Project Home Clothing Drive. Uh, They'll be collecting for eight hours uh they'll be sorting uh and they'll be doing it all um for the um project home and of course john as you mentioned um sister mary scullion um it's so nice to be able to do um and support what she does i will tell you that frank keel uh, was able to bridge following sister mary scullion's conversation uh with you on your show uh, Frank was able to bridge um, an opportunity uh, for um, myself and Jimmy Brown uh, to sit down and interview Sister Mary Scullion uh, for Voices of Faith, um, which was a dynamite interview. Um, and it's uh, and once again, uh, there's labor, there's a need, and then there's labor. One, two, all the time. Pretty soon we'll be announcing a nice podcast, right, Joe? I'm excited about that. Very excited about that. We'll even be able to take this stuff deeper. But uh, a couple shout-outs. Again, Frank Keel and and his wife, you know, he lost his dad not long ago. I know the the Keel boys, you know, know, even though he has all them daughters, the Keel boys, his dad and his brother, and they were tight. And Frank hasn't missed a beat. I mean, he's done wonderful work for, you know, the Fellowship Building Trades Local 98 and, of course, anybody that asked them, basically. He's done a real nice job, and uh, I, I think I gave every coat and every piece of clothing I had to Buddy and The Rock, So, but I'm going to call my good friend Mark Lynch, who's now you know the manager up at 98, and make sure they participate, because uh, I was laughing. I was just looking around. I'm saying, I don't think I have any loose clothing at all anymore. I think everything's down at The Rock, but, but we'll make sure that uh, we, we get up there and we drop a lot of stuff off, and I know my friends at Local 98 will participate, and and that's just good stuff. She's just she's the closest thing that we have to a saint in, in this region. She's a doll. She's a sweetie. She's just a nice person. And uh, it, it's, it's wonderful that she's, again, just like Joe Curlin and Roseanne, that, you know, 30, 40 years later, they're still, you know, with the peak. They're just doing wonderful stuff. All right. Uh, before we run out of time, John, before we run out of time, your pick um, for the game. Before, uh, I'll get, uh, real quick. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, me and Joe Doc both agree. I'm going with the Bengals. Okay, in the upset, I'm looking for Burrow to continue to do it. Uh, you know, it's been wonderful watching him play. You know, he's the, he's the next uh, Joe, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, etc. 
Well, Frank Keel picked the Bengals as well, 27-24. You know I don't normally pick a lot of games, uh, but John, I'm on the other side, brother. I like the Rams 36-33 in a shootout at SoFi. Uh, winner of the game uh, determines who picks up the tab uh, when you and I meet for our planning session for the podcast. How's that? <laughs> Well, we know Keel and Joe Dopp ain't going to do it, so yeah, we yeah, exactly. you anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's going to do it tonight for the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of Jay Doc, who was not with us tonight, on behalf of Frank Keel, and on behalf of our gracious host, John Doherty, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.